Good morning. You guys can hear me okay? Great to see you. Welcome early risers. Yes. Are you with me? All right. You know, I, I just got to share this with you guys. Mike said you guys are the most spiritual. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay? You know, when you're an early riser, you have something in common with somebody really, really special. And you know who that is? Jesus. Jesus was an early riser, wasn't he? Okay, so when we have our sunrise service, we'll see how spiritual you are then. Okay, but it's great to see you guys. Uh, we are, we are uh, wrapping up a series today that kind of caps onto the, 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 the talk that we did last week, uh, or last, last earlier in the month, about crossing over. You know, when you start a new year, it's always important to, to focus, hey, where do I want to be? And, and I, I want to encourage you, this whole idea is that God has incredible plans for you. Do you know that? Yeah. And, and, you know, to start your year, it's always good because sometimes you can let la last year drag over into this year and you just, you're just surrounded by failure, just surrounded by opposition and, and, and things that didn't go the way you wanted. And, and it's great to know, hey, God, God can see us through that. But, but it's all about increasing our faith because I know sometimes our, our theology doesn't match our reality. And our reality is, I don't believe, because I've had so many bad things, and our theology kind of drags behind. And it's so important that we live and let our theology lead instead of our reality, if we're going to be people of faith. And so I want to just encourage you, God has great plans for you. And, and, and this whole change of service is, is part of that plan. And, and so we've been doing this last three weeks, this series called Sit With Me. And today we're going to look at the, the context of where this whole idea comes from, the, the exact words and where this, this came about. Sit with me. But I want, to, I want to talk about this first, kind of recap what we've been talking about the last several weeks, is this whole idea of increase my faith. Because if God's got plans, i got to believe that, right? i got to be on board with that. And so we've been going through, step by step, these, these ideas of, of sit with me, and, and the last few weeks, we, we've looked at this, and, and it's come through in these five last few weeks. First week, we talked about increase my faith. Just throwing up your hands and saying, God, I need to increase my faith. My faith is weak. I need to increase my faith. And then Mike talked about stones of remembrance, remembering what God has done in those dark times just to remember, hey, God, you worked. You worked. Do what you did. Do what you did then. Do it now. Do it now. I need you to come through. And then, and then the third week, we talked about dig deep in the Word. There's so, much, there's so much in the Bible that we can just gain faith from, that God's going to work. And then number four, persevere with the new me. Because, see, it's, it's easy to get stuck with the old you, all your failures, all your shortcomings. And God's trying to say, I got a new you in store. I got a new plan for you. And then last week, we talked about this, pray for your faith to increase. Pray for your faith to increase. I just want to ask it straight up. Have you been praying for each other? Have you been praying for your own faith? And it works, guys. It works because I've been praying for our group. I've been praying, you know, for, for my family. And all of a sudden, I just see it bubbling up. Here it comes. Here comes my faith. And so today, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, something else. And that's, that's this, this whole idea. But, but I want to talk about it first this is a verse, Isaiah 7, 9. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria 
is only Ramalia's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. So I'm going to give you the steps to increasing your faith. But who's got to walk in that? See, this is what the prophet Isaiah was saying to the people. Listen, hey, if you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And let me just say this. There's going to come a day when you're going to need strong faith. You may not need it now, but you're going to need it soon. Some of you need it now. And it's time for you to start walking. And what I mean by this is to go back and start implementing because you're, you're lagging and you're not, you're not following the steps to increase your faith. And you're going to need it. And you know what else? People around you are going to need it because you're the one they're counting on to lead. You're, you're the one that goes to church. You're the one that shows up occasionally. You're the, you may be the spiritual one in your family, but let's just be honest. You and I know that your faith is not where it needs to be. And people look to you and they say, well, you're the leader. But you're going, man, I don't feel like the leader. And so I want to charge you, I want to challenge you today to take responsibility for your faith and walk in it. So today we're going to talk about chase the chariot. Chase the chariot. Okay, so we're going to chase the chariot. If I had the, the sound bite, you know, from, from uh, you guys remember that, that movie, uh, Char- Chariots of Fire, you remember that? right? Chasing the chariot. And so today we're going to look at this whole idea of being a chariot chaser. And I want to challenge you to be a chariot chaser today. And we're going to see where this comes from. You know, we're going to look at a chapter before what we looked at last week, chapter 9 of Acts. And you remember the guy we talked about last week? How many of you can remember the guy that we talked about last week? Saul, you got it right. I was waiting for somebody to say Paul and say you were close, but you got, you got it right. Okay, yes, we talked about Saul. What was Saul doing in chapter 8 with the Christians? He was a Christian hunter. He was chasing and killing Christians. And the guy that we're going to look at today is Philip. And guess who Philip was running from? He was running from Saul. And he went to this place called Samaria. He didn't stop spreading the good news. He didn't stop talking about Jesus, but he had to get out of Jerusalem to save his own life. But the amazing thing is, you may have to get out of your situation because somebody may do you harm, but you don't stop talking about Jesus. You never stop talking. So Philip is is leading this revival in Samaria. I mean, he's, he's converting witch doctors. He's, he's helping whole cities, whole villages come to faith in Jesus. He's on fire, but God says, okay, you're doing awesome, but I got a very important person that I want you to meet and sit with, and we're going to pick it up there. Verse 26 of chapter 8 says here, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, and so he started out. The Lord spoke to Philip. Now, I have a question for you. You know, sometimes we do this. We say, well, I need God to speak to me. And he may not send an angel. And I'm not sure you want an angel to come and speak to you. Because most times when it happens in the Bible, people fall down and they have a heart attack or they, they, they just can't deal with it. It's too much. I would prefer that God speak to me in a more subtle fashion. You know what I'm saying? 
I don't need any show. I don't need anything big because it, it might scare me to death. Okay? And so my question is this. Is God still speaking today? How many of you really believe today that God's still speaking? I mean, I believe it. God is still speaking. He still, he still nudges me. And it may not be with an angel. It may not be with, you know, his voice, booming voice. But it's a still, subtle voice, and he's nudging you. The thing I love about Philip is God said him, go. And what did he do? He started out. There was no discussion. There was, hey, where do you want me to go, God? What's this all about? Don't you know I got some things scheduled, my plans today? He said, I got to go. And we pick it up. On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of, of, the, of, of Kandik, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now, I want to tell you about this guy, the Ethiopian eunuch. He's not an ordinary person. Number one, because he's a eunuch, you can look that, you can Google that what that means. I don't have time to go into that, but it's a strong commitment. Okay, they either, they either make you a eunuch or you decide to be a eunuch, but you can look that up. I don't have time to go through that. But he was a very important official. He was devoted to his job, and he was the head guy of the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians, which means... He was in a very prominent position. Ethiopia at the time was a channel of commerce, like iron, gold, everything flowed. So this was a very wealthy nation and a very wealthy kingdom. And he was in charge. And you could tell he had some money because he had his own what? Chariot. Okay? In these days, not everybody had a chariot. And it wasn't, you know, one of the two-people chariots. More than likely, it was a four-wheel chariot, four-by-four chariot, okay, where you had a driver, you had a a passenger, and you had the, the, you know, the honored person that was in that chariot. And here's another thing that gives us, he went to Jerusalem to worship, which means he had a heart for God. And being the fact that he was an Ethiopian, he couldn't go, I mean, being the fact that he was a eunuch, he couldn't go all the way into the temple, but he still found like it was very important to go and worship God in Jerusalem. Ethiopia from Jerusalem, for the people of Greece and Rome, Ethiopia was like in China for us. He came all the way from China. China's far, right? That's what it was like for people. I mean, he's come from way, way far away to come and worship God. What does that tell you about his heart? He's got a a huge heart for God. And he's reading the book of Isaiah. And typically at this time, they'd read it out loud. It's very important to read it out loud. They didn't silent read. And he had his own copy of the Bible. It was extremely rare and extremely expensive. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So what's, what's, what's Philip doing? He's got to run, right? Chasing the chariot, right? He's chasing the chariot. Now, how would you feel about chasing a chariot? You know, you're running next to the chariot, and, you, and you're going, hey, hey, roll, roll down, you know. Some of you don't even know what I mean when I'm doing this. You have no idea what this means, Right? All the older people know what this means, right? But the younger people, what is that? What is this? 
Okay, for the younger people. Okay, hey, roll down the window, right? He's chasing, he's chasing the chariot. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? It's a huge question. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what's going on in your life right now? Are you aware of, of how God is working? Do you understand? And Philip asked it, and then it says, how can I? How can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and do what? Say it with me. Sit with me. To sit with him. To sit with him. It's a huge deal that he, the guy would say, come on up here. I need you to sit with me. And this is most people. How are people going to understand what's happening in their lives? And a lot of people out there, they are struggling to find out what's going on in their lives. Things are happening and they can't figure it out and they need someone. And who am I to tell them what's going on in their lives? So I don't even have it all figured out myself, but you have something different than most people. You, you, have, you have the word and you have your testimony of what God has been doing in your life. And let me tell you, that has a lot of power. Because God's done some amazing things in some of your lives. And you can share it with somebody. And, and so he says, come up and, and sit with me. And, and so right now I want to just kind of stop and share with you a story, okay? And it's, it's Susan's story. I want to introduce you to, to Susan, who was baptized a few weeks ago. It's, a, it's an incredible story. So you guys come, come on up here. Get the seats up. Okay. We're going to have a little, little chat. Thanks, Mike. Susan, I need you to sit right here next to me, okay? Sit with me. And, and, and let's welcome Lonnie and Laura. They're here too. It's great to have you guys here. So uh, let me get a mic here because we'll be able to hear. Get a couple of them. Hey, uh, Steve, can you turn on the green? Give some volume on that. Lonnie, could you hold the green one? Yes, sir. And then Laura, you and Susan can yep. hold that. All right. So I want to just start out with the first question. When's the first time that you shared with Susan? You told her the good news. 21 years ago. <laughs> I've known Susan since she was three and loved her always. Mm. And 21 years ago, I asked her to study the Bible, and she said, I love you, Auntie, but no thank you. I know the Bible. <laughs> okay, so Susan, i got to put you on the spot. Okay. So why, why was uh, just, you know, why did you respond that way when, you know, Lonnie reached out to you and shared with you? Because I thought, on? why is my auntie asking me that when she knows that my Aunt Betty had brought me up in the church mm. and I had been in church all my life? And I'm thinking, why would she even ask me that? <laughs> and so at that time, 21 years ago, when you first, they first shared with you, you, you were not ready. Right. I thought, I, I thought, supposedly I thought I knew everything. Mm. You know, I thought, you know, I knew the word, I knew the Bible, I had gone to church, I had been 
focused on, you know, loving the Lord. I received him. You know, as a kid, I got baptized. But really, I kept running away from God. Mm. This is where it's hard. I didn't realize how much I had never made him my Lord. Mm. Because I got married young, had a child. A lot of things in my life prevented me from trusting God. I met my second husband at 19. I was 17 when I got married, divorced by 19, met my other husband. And then it was him. And my whole life, I realized I blamed him for not letting me go to church or for not letting me grow. But in reality, I made my husband my God instead of God my God. Mm. You know? So, Lonnie and Laura, what, what did you guys do in that interim time, those 21 years, what, what did you guys do in that interim time with, with Susan? We just loved her. Mm. We just loved her. I continued to include her in everything the family did and just, just loved her. Um, lived the lives that God had called us to live. Awesome. Laura, you want to share? Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing um, is consistency because it's so easy to feel rejection and then Satan tries to make that like awkwardness with your family members because you know you're going to continue to see them. Um, but you have to love them unconditionally and that can be hard sometimes. She's, Susan's easy to love, but it's, it, yeah, it's just a matter of continuing to show her that unconditional love despite her decision not to decide to follow God. Mm -hmm. And what did, that, what did that mean to you, Susan, uh, when, you know, when they just... In spite of that, you, they kept loving you. How did, how did that make you feel? Well, first of all, they're a loving family. You know, um, it, it inspired me because through our tragedies, through our family, I watched how they never wavered, mm. you know? And I thought, I dropped church again five years ago. I stopped going to church, and I thought, you know, Lord, I'm tired of church. But I didn't realize it's not church, it's not the people that I needed my relationship with God mm -hmm. to make Jesus really my Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that how they kept the family going and how the praise and worship through death and while we were watching my uncle pass and the love and the compassion and how you said every, they were the light. They were the ones that everybody was asking for prayer and I had been watching them for so long because I thought, oh, they're in one of those other kind of churches, you know. <laughs> I don't want no part of. But I realized that, you know what, Lord, they have something that I've been longing for. You know, there's something different. It's not the same. It's not just going to church. And, yeah, I love my other pastors that I have, but there was the discipleship, the mentoring. I never had that. I never had somebody come sit with me. And and study with me, with Cassandra, my love. <laughs> she studied with me, with Sandy, my Aunt Lonnie, you know, um, having the group on Wednesdays with the marriage group, studying and having them just love on me was amazing because I finally broke walls. I got used to pushing people out. Mm. And then I thought, okay, this is going to be hard. But then I thought, why not? You know, why not go all the way now? Mm -hmm. So three weeks ago, uh, you, you, you were finished your Bible studies, and you decided to make the big step and make Jesus Lord of your life, and you got baptized, right? So looking back now, because that was like three weeks ago, looking back on that now, when you see that they hung in there with you, was it worth it that they stayed in there with you and loved you 
through those 21 years. It was so worth it. <laughs> it was freezing cold, but it was so worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it was outside, <laughs> but it was so worth it. Awesome. Yeah. And tell me about the rest of the family and how this has impacted the rest of the family, uh, this, this, this incredible moment. Well, uh, I have a sister-in-law that I've been studying the Bible with for years. And last week she called her and she said, I saw your baptism mm. on, uh, you know, Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> and I think I'm going to be next so pray for Olivia. That's yeah. her name. Yeah. Awesome. And you were going to share something about your, your sister that she, uh, she shared a, a, yeah. a, a poem. Oh, yeah. So um, the incredible thing, too, is my sister was there. My sister's the one who actually studied the Bible with me and got baptized. And um, it's incredible because she's been kind of finding her way. And um, I appreciate her. She has a deep, deep love for God. But it was incredible because she came to Susan's baptism, which was powerful, <laughs> and she shared um, a psalm that she had written, a really, really deep psalm that she wrote um, years and years ago. And it just, it, it built my faith because I, I really felt like God is, God's moving. And I know when it comes to our family members, it's easy to lose faith. You know, the Bible says a prophet is without honor in their own, you know, home. And, um, and yet God... God's always working. I, I think one of the things that we've done, with, just not just with Susan, like I literally pray for Susan by name, but when I pray about my family members, I literally, I pray believing. I don't pray, I say, God, thank you that my entire family has been united in Christ, and I pray for them by name. So it's so easy to, to lose faith, but don't give up, because honestly, God is working. Awesome. Yes. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Let's give it up for Lonnie, Susan. So, what do you guys see from this, this real story? You can't give up on people. You, can't, you, cannot, you cannot give up. Let's, let's continue. You know, Susan was in a situation, how can I? Okay, I've been to church, I've been around church, I was raised in church, but really, and I got my religiosity. A lot of people have their religiosity, but when the time comes, when they hit the wall and they say, how am I going to understand what's going on if somebody doesn't sit down with me and explain it? And so we, we read on this, this passage of Scripture, the eunuch was reading. Check this out. This is what he was reading, and this is what you can read with people. He was, re he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearers, he was silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? himself or somebody else? It's a huge question that really comes down to you too. Who's the prophet talking about? What relevance does this have in my life right now? And you and I know the story, right? Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He's telling him that, listen, Jesus went through all of this, all this humiliation and this suffering and this rejection for you, for you, so that you would know that God loves you. 
that he's willing to go through anything for you to bring you out of your situation, your hardship, your failed relationships, your debt, your addiction, whatever it is. And so they, they continued on, and it's, uh, it's amazing. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And he did the Bible study with him about Jesus. See, and I believe this. It's great for people to come to church, but that's just coming into the, the living room, right? You're welcome into the house and you come into the living room. You need to invite them into the family room. You need to invite them into the kitchen. You need to have them in the house so they can know who is Jesus. And you also need to tell them your story, what Jesus has done in your life. But you can't do that through a, just an invitation. You've got to get closer to people. You've got to sit with them. You've got to talk with them. If you're a guest here today, we've got some great news to share with you, but it can't be in church. You've got to stop stiff-arming people. You've got to let your guard down and say, hey, who's this about? It's about you. It's about Jesus. And it's time for you to face it. Are you going to respond to Jesus? So let me, last week I talked about this. 2016 was the worst year for Christians in our world. Lots of Christians are being killed. But let me ask you a question. What's the greatest threat to the church today? Is it persecution? Is it the fact that we have to worry that somebody may come into these doors? It's the same thing that's been the greatest threat to the people of Israel, even back to the Old Testament. It's the same thing. And guess what? The greatest threat to the church is complacency. It's in all of us. It's in all of us. Every single one of them. Hey, listen, guys, I got a confession to make. I get tempted with complacency. Complacency. You know, some of you may not know what the word means. Let me, let me, let me spell it out for you. What does the word mean? What does complacency mean? Let me break it down for you. Self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. When it comes to safety, complacency can be what? Say it with me. Dangerous. It can be dangerous. There's a false sense of security. There's a false sense of safety. There's a false sense of it's okay. I'm just fine. I'm just good. And you and I have a tendency to gravitate towards this, all of us. You need to understand complacency if you want to grow and you want to change and you want to overcome and you want to cross over, that's your enemy. When I was doing this study, guys, I had to come to grips with it. And that's the first step. If you want to deal with complacency in your life, you have to, you have to accept it. Yeah. You have to come to grips with it. I'm, I'm stuck in complacency. And, and you, have to, you have to wrap your, your arms around this and, and, and accept it and this is something that we got to see. Our church was built by what? Chariot chasers. I mean, people, you know, guys have been around a long time. Who built this church? People that were chariot chasers. They were running. They were chasing chariots all over the place, going, willing to humiliate themselves, make fools of themselves to help who? Anybody. Didn't matter what their background was. Didn't matter anything. Our church was chariot chasers. But What's happened 
What happens when we stop chasing them? What happens when we stop chasing chariots? No, but you don't understand. I got tired of chasing chariots. My feet hurt. And, and I've had a couple doors slammed on me. I had a couple of people say, I don't have time for you. I don't have time for this. Or, or maybe you, 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 you studied the Bible all the way through with somebody, and then, and then they didn't respond. That's heartbreaking, isn't it? But is that enough reason to stop chasing? No, we got to keep chasing chariots. Let's finish. Verse 36 of chapter 8. As they traveled along the road, they came to near some water. The eunuch said, look, here's some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Well, Philip could have said, hey, you know, you know I, I just don't feel like the time is right. Or you know what, let's wait a couple weeks because my schedule's kind of full. I can't get with you. you got to do a couple more studies. I mean, what are you going to say to this? And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. Stop everything. Stop everything right now because this is important. This is the moment when someone crosses over spiritually. They stopped the chariot and both Philip and the eunuch went down in the middle of the desert. Is there water? Absolutely. They went down in the water, and Philip baptized him. Amen. Baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. He was gone. Where did Philip go? He's gone. He's got other things to do. And the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way what? Was he mad that Philip left? Where's Philip? He was fired up. You know why he was fired up? Because the most important thing in his life got fixed. His purpose, his relationship with God. He was fired up. And guess what? This little encounter, this eunuch was going to go back as a leader with the message of Jesus and spread the gospel in Ethiopia. I mean, God had a plan. God was working on the evangelization of the world. And you don't even realize that the person that you're sitting with could be a game changer. I'm still not close to the people, you know, they, they've moved on, and people that sat with me, they, they're living on the East Coast, and they're doing their thing. They're not with me anymore, but I'm sure glad they sat with me. Amen. You know, today we start making room, don't we? There's room in the parking lot, isn't there? There's room. That's important. Let me ask you a question. Is there room in here? Is there room in here? Come on, church. Is there room in here? Or have you gotten your, let your heart get complacent and say, well, you know, I don't need to help people anymore. You know, I've talked to so many Christians lately, and I've looked in the mirror, and I've asked myself, I said, hey, is there room in here? Or am I getting crowded out by a lot of other stuff? You know, and indicators, indicators. You know, I don't know about this time change and everything else. Trust me, there's no room in there. I just need a break. I need a time out. I'm tired. There's no room in there. So you're going to have to make room because people like Susan, they need to sit with you. So Chariot Chaser Church, Chariot Church, it starts with you and Jesus. It's not your schedule. 
It's not, it's not anything else you've got to rearrange. It's you and Jesus. You need to sit down and have a talk with Jesus, brother, sister. You need to have a talk with Jesus and say, okay, what do you want from me? And Jesus says, I want you to be a chariot chaser. It's about you and him, not about you and me. You, do, some of you look at this, well, it's about church, and the church wants me to, and the church, and the church. It's a building. It's about you and Jesus. And, and can you team up with your group? You know, if you're a little hesitant, can you team up with your group to, 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 to help you? And, and here's another question. Are the core four Bible studies are on the website? Are they still effective? Are they still effective? They still work. They still be pretty. They, they share the message of Jesus step by step. Just share it with them. It's not rocket science. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to have a degree. Don't let complacency in your life or your group. I really want some of you to start looking at and start asking the question, having conversations. Honey, are we complacent? And it's not just in church life and chariot chasing. It also has to do with the type of marriage you have, your health, everything in your life. You know what the tendency we have is? Complacency. You know, I decided this weekend I hate complacency. I hate it. I don't want any part of it. It's my enemy. It's got to go. It's got to go. And then the last thing is, it's time for graduation. You know, we got, we got some college students. Any of you guys graduating in the, in the room? I know later today there's going to be some graduates. High school students, anybody graduating soon? I know Lauren, my daughter, she's graduating in May. You know, she graduated from high school, so she's no longer a high school student. Then she, she, she's a college student. Now she's graduating from college. She's no longer going to be a college student. What's she going to be? Yeah. Real deal. But there's something about graduating that's awesome. Some of you are just churchgoers. Today I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to stop being, to graduate from being a churchgoer and be a chariot chaser. See, because Jesus didn't call us to be churchgoers. Okay? He loves the fact that you're here at church, but it's not about being a churchgoer only. We've got to graduate. We've got to take the tassel and pass it to the other side and say, I graduated. Now I'm a chariot chaser. And encourage one another. Really important. And as we take communion right now, as we take communion, this is the passage. I want to bring it back to Jesus. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. If he'd opened his mouth, we would be without hope. He was silent for you and for me. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who's the prophet talking about, himself or somebody else? And you and I know who he's talking about. And that's what we're going to remember now as we take the communion. He was talking about Jesus. So you take the communion and remember his body through the bread and his blood through the grape juice that was poured out for us so we could be chariot chasers, so we could be changed, so we could be not caught up in complacency but always growing, always changing facing our fears and helping people like Susan. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we can celebrate Jesus, the communion.
please bless this communion. We lift up Jesus, and we want to put our eyes on him. Thank you. Hear us. Help us. Forgive us for our complacency right now, God. We, we ask you to forgive us, God, because we've fallen into it. I'm guilty of it, and I've asked you to forgive me. I pray, God, take us back. Take us higher than we were. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>